Teaching in your 20s. Do I really know what I'm doing? Am I making a difference? How do I find the perfect work-life balance? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Teaching in Your 20s podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. It's going to be all about starting out in your career as a teacher, and I actually brought a special guest, my father, Scott Himmelhoe. Do you want to give us a little bit of background about yourself and about your career and everything? I would be happy to do that. First of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. So, I mean, I'm about 30 plus years into uh, my career, right, working experience. Made a couple career transitions along the way, but the predominant time of my career has been spent in the home building business at the vice president level for a Fortune 500 company, national home builder. So my role involves leadership of a team, being part of an operations team, which has a strategy component to it. Been through good economies, been through bad economies, and uh, excited to talk to you today. Now, you may be wondering what he has to do with anything with teaching. But my dad has given me so much advice just career-wise, how to communicate with my superiors, how to save money financially, what type of like retirement plan I'm supposed to be on and all of those types of things. And starting off having somebody like that in my life that has a background in knowing things about this has been so helpful for me. And so I really wanted to bring him on to give you guys also some advice. Yeah, to me, Christina, when I when I think about how does it relate, there's so much of any professional organization that you're in that has things in common, regardless of what industry you're in. And it's kind of interesting because we sometimes want to think that our industry is so unique and so different. And to an extent, there are things in teaching that are different, certainly from home building. But there are so many more things that we have in common, including organizational dynamics, organizational politics, the need to learn when you're first starting out in your career, all of those things. So, you know, we can certainly focus on the things that all organizations have in common and I think it will be relevant for the discussion. Exactly. So before we get and like really do a deep dive into all the things that we're going to talk about, since you're a guest, I wanted to ask you, who is the most influential teacher that you remember from your childhood in your life? Since this is a teaching podcast, I got to ask you that. And why were they so influential? Like what made them such a great teacher? All right. So I'm going to go back to middle school and high school because I'm so old. I can't remember elementary school. Okay. (laughs) That's fine. So I'm going to go back to first um, uh, history teacher I had, American history, Mr. Martin. And he just brought an energy to the lectures and made learning American history fun. The next two that I'm going to talk about are high school. And one of them is Miss Sorello. She recently retired. She was an English teacher that I had my freshman year. And really just was one of those that was caring, not only understood her subject, she was also in charge of the journalism class, which I thought was interesting. And she was just one of those down-to-earth people that connected with the students. Mm -hmm. The the second high school teacher, Mr. McGee, and he taught civics. He gave a strategy to learn how to study. And I used it all through college, and I'll even use it today if I'm trying to learn a specific subject matter. And he always had on his chalkboard, because we had chalkboards back then. I know, again, <laughs> dating myself here, but... Well, you still remembered it. all of their names, so I'm pretty impressed. I know, like, actually, That's really good. <laughs> I can't believe I remembered all of their names. I can't remember someone's name I met yesterday. But he would write, you know, a saying on the chalkboard. And one of the ones that I always remember was, uh, the ripest peach is highest on the tree, right? So if you, mm-hmm. want, if you want to really get the good fruit, 
you got to do the hardest work to get it. Exactly. Well, thank you for sharing those stories. Like I said, I'm very impressed at the details that you remember. I'm not going to lie. Well, anytime I can impress one of my kids, I'll take it, <laughs> I'll take it as a victory. Awesome. Well, let's get into it. I wanted to just start off and I wanted to ask you what your biggest piece of advice you have for young people entering the workforce. And now this can talk about things in general. It can talk about more specifically for like business stuff, but I think it will apply to teachers as well. Yeah, I'm going to give you two things. The first one I think is is probably a little bit more obvious, and that is have a thirst for knowledge and always be learning. And make sure as you're evaluating that first opportunity that you're going to move into, is that an opportunity where you're going to have someone that's going to be a good coach and mentor? That relates to education. It relates to business. You know, Right now, one of the dynamics we're seeing is in education, you're still seeing remote learning. Mm-hmm. And in business, we're still seeing remote working. Well, if you're a a recent graduate moving into an organization or moving into you know your first job and you're working remote, you're not around all of those years of experience mm-hmm. that are in that office to be able to learn from or to be able to watch and be able to observe. So I would tell you, I think the most important thing graduating, looking for that first job is what type of learning environment are you going to be in? That's, that, that's one. Mm-hmm. The second item that I'm going to give you is understanding or learning and trying to understand the organizational dynamics that you're entering, right? We're talking about organizational politics now. All organizations have a hierarchy, they have politics, and I like to use the phrase that I heard a while ago called being organizational savvy, Mm -hmm. being able to kind of read the room and understand that. And there are other podcasts out there that deal with that specifically and other websites and resources that you can get, But, but kind of being able to understand the organizational dynamics really kind of moves you into a whole different level of maturity once, you, once you're able to grasp that. Right, right. And I kind of wanted to jump back to what you had said. I mean, you're talking about the organization and the people that you're working with. And I think about being a teacher and going into an environment where you're kind of on your own. And that's something that's very unique about entering the teaching profession is that you're not necessarily working right along somebody on the same exact project as you would in corporate America or in a different business setting. So something that I had struggled with and I think also ties back to how we've gone more remote is it has changed the dynamics of the schools from what I have seen. This idea of working collaboratively, it might not be there at schools that you're entering into because my experience when I started as a kindergarten teacher I was kind of on my own, so I kind of wanted to tie in some advice that I have for you guys. Put yourself out there, share stuff with those teachers that are next to you, and try to build those relationships, because if they're not giving you resources, you can start sharing stuff with them, ask them questions, and I think it's so important to put yourself out there to just build that relationship, at least with your team, because like I said, I think things have just changed a lot, and the whole collaborative planning hasn't occurred in person. It's been a lot of online stuff, and so you lose that sense of community. Makes sense. I think it's really hard. So going back to, I guess we can talk more about building relationships with coworkers and kind of the advice that you have on how to communicate with superiors. And especially like you said, if you are looking into getting into your first job and you think you know what you're entering yourself into and then something crazy happens. Like I think about my sister and the advice that you've had to give her with, you know, dealing with situations that might not be perfectly how you want them to go and having to stand up for yourself and say things, but in a nice and professional way. I feel like you're really good at that. Yeah. You know, and again, this has been training that I've received over the years, right? Um, When you talk about communication and communicating with superiors or 
it could even be peers, but they've been there a year or mm-hmm. two, right? right? I think one of the things that's always important is, you know, asking questions. And a lot of times you can phrase, hey, you know, I, I, I see that we're doing something this way. Help me understand the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Right. So I think those are some ways that you can do it. But when it comes to some of the tough conversations and those will come up and maybe it's with a, um, a, a superior, maybe it's with, you know, the, your, 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 I don't know, boss is even a word people use today, but who, yeah, who, I, feel, I feel like they do. do like they, okay. our principal is our boss. Okay. I guess Whoever it is you, you, you report to, you know, one of the things that I learned a while ago is called situation behavior impact. When you are giving feedback, or when you're trying to maybe explain a perspective you're coming from. Hey, I was in my classroom. A student came in. I observed this. It made me feel like this. And this is how I responded. And then you can kind of get some of that feedback from mm-hmm. your boss about, you know, is this, you know, did I respond appropriately? Or is, are there any suggestions you have in the way that I've responded? But situation behavior impact is a really good mechanism really to provide others feedback because you're, you're making it almost neutral. Mm-hmm. Hey, here was a situation. This is the behavior I observed. Right. And this is the impact that it had on me. Right. And Instead lo- of making it like personal and be like, I feel this way and kind of, you don't want it to come off as an attacking way to that higher up person. Yeah. And I think situation behavior impact could probably be useful in communicating with the parents mm-hmm. of your students as well. Yeah. Right. And maybe it's even more powerful mm-hmm. um, in that aspect. But I would tell you that communication, having, you know, some of those conversations with peers and with your uh, superiors is, is critically important. And a lot of times as someone who's new in the organization, you can phrase things as questions. Of, hey, I see that we're doing this. Why, help me understand why we do it this way. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, w- I was thinking about doing something, but want to bounce it off you first and see if this even makes sense to you. Right. right? Now, do you encourage people to kind of do that? Because I know you've worked with a lot of people my age since you're kind of like the big boss man at your job. Uh, yeah, funny, funny. So do you, like, how do you, from your perspective feel when people will like bring these things up to you because from our perspective or at least from mine it can be so nerve-wracking being like the newbie in a company or at a school and seeing something happening and wanting to speak up and say hey like I think we should rethink about this I don't know if this is like the right way we should be doing this for this particular situation having to be the one the first year teacher to go to the principal and be like hey like thank you so much for your support in this like you said, I, I think I phrased it that way of like, I just kind of want to understand where we're coming from with continuing to follow this model with this student. I don't think it fits for every single student. Can we talk about this? Can we brainstorm it? Like, I think it's just nerve wracking from the first year teacher perspective or like the first year or an intern or something like that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. And, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, I'm blessed. My, my team has done a really good job and I've got, you know, a team that's made up of you know, people with a couple years work experience, some with eight years work experience, some with maybe 10 to 12, kind of in that in that range. Um, and what I would tell you is they, they seem to be very attuned to kind of having that pre-conversation about, hey, I've got this idea or I'm thinking about this, as opposed to presenting it maybe in a larger group setting that, right. you know, might have some of my peers in it um, who they haven't talked to about it mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe... You know, it's coming as news to my peers, so they're kind of like, wait, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So my, my team's done a really good job of kind of socializing right. the ideas ahead of time or getting other people's feedback. It, it's almost kind of like that pregame right. where you're kind of doing your game planning and kind of understanding what others' perspectives are. Because, you know, the one thing when you're in a complex organization is that, you know, there's different departments that have different motivations. And while we're all pushing toward the same direction, 
the things that create challenges for my counterpart in his department are different than what creates challenges in my department. Exactly. And that's what makes us better is because this way we're all thinking about things that could impact um, a project or an idea or a strategy and mm -hmm. we're kind of, you know, part of the goal is to say, okay, what could go wrong with this? Right. And that kind of helps you hone in on what the best solution is. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it's just important to kind of make sure you're having kind of some of those pre-conversations, understanding what's mm -hmm. important to the other uh, um, participants in your organization. Um, and then at the end of the day, to me, the, the most important thing is that the egos all get checked at the door and that everybody is really focused on what's best for the, the overall organization, what's best for the students, mm -hmm. right? To create the best learning environment for the students. And if we need to change some strategies or change some policies, we do it. Right. Um, and we don't change them just to change them. Right. But if something makes sense and it's for the betterment or we're responding to new changes in our environment, COVID yes. was a great example of that. Yes. We do what we have to do. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I also just wanted to say that I think it's so important to, you know, get advice from your team, see what your team, your teaching grade level has done in the past in certain situations and make sure that you don't just jump straight from like one thing happens and then you are kind of, what is it called? Like when you're jumping people and you're like going to a higher up before Skip. you speak to people. Yeah. You're, you're, you know you're what skip, I'm saying? skipping a level. Yeah. Right. So I but, think that's important. Too. But, I, but I will tell you this. So and again, kind of back to the dynamics in my organization, I've hired people that have specific skill sets that are different than mine. Mm -hmm. So I have to rely on them to have the knowledge. Right. And they'll have a more technical knowledge, maybe in a certain area that I don't have. Mm -hmm. But you have to have, you know, trust in your team. And then as you're dealing with, you know, someone new in the organization, you're going to have some fresh teaching strategies that maybe mm -hmm. um, some of your superiors haven't heard about. Right. Because it's the latest and greatest cutting edge technologies. Because that's what we learned in university right. and so, everything. So you got to kind of find a way how you it's a balance. weave that in, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've always done with my team, right? So I'm a vice president. I have a division president. I've um, set up with some of my team members to have what I call skip level meeting mm -hmm. where they sit down and they'll meet with my division president to talk about their career and he's got different ideas look he's made it up through the organization and right. had different experience than I had and they can learn from him too so um, you know for me I think those are all things to be aware of that you know create these learning opportunities now the company I work for almost obsessive about employee development which is a great right. thing right and I mean we have a lot of teacher development and workshops that we have to go to but those get tricky I'll probably talk about those in another episode because a lot of the time they just feel kind of pointless just because I don't know I don't think we've really as a district figured out the correct development professional development for teachers and so we can get I'll get into that in a different episode probably but okay it's still on the topic of you know work environment and things like that I wanted to ask you because I remember you you know you'll sometimes ask me on the phone how my generation thinks and so I was gonna ask you how you think the work environment has changed since our generation has entered the workforce and maybe some like positives some things to be wary of and how you think it has been it's a, it's a great question okay <laughs> so so I'm, I'm generation X right, right? We're, we're, we're um almost kind of like this forgotten generation we were, we're 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 not the boomers we're not that old and there was this perception of Gen Xers that they were slackers and lazy and all this stuff and meanwhile I'm working 60 hours a week I'm busting my butt <laughs> I think this generation now gets hit with that same thing this is a very diverse generation mm -hmm. and we want to label them 
Right. Right. The millennials are this, they're that. And the reality is they're all the above, right? You see all aspects of it. What I think has changed and what's different is that communication has changed mm -hmm. because of advances in technology, right? The ease of email, the ease of texting. And what I would tell you is there is a tendency to rely on email and texting to get answers to questions. And in some instances, it's really positive and it's really good and it's efficient. And then there's a written record of the communication. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Right. But in a lot of instances, um, it, it isn't as good because you're asking a question, you don't hear the tone of the answer, you don't have the opportunity to follow up and ask the next question and get into a dialogue. Right. And one of my favorite questions that I learned, you know, maybe it's about 10, 12 years ago, when I'm having a conversation where I'm trying to learn or trying to understand something, mm -hmm. the last question I ask is, what am I not asking you? What else should I be thinking about? What else should I be asking? And then that opens up a whole dialogue and I found that the content that I can get and the information I get from the other party um, really just almost goes to the next level. So the communication is the one thing I would say is just to always keep an eye on the place for email, mm -hmm. the place for text, um, and then the place for a, a more formal communication mm -hmm. than place for a conversation. Right. And do you think, I mean, this doesn't really have to do with the communication aspect, but do you think there's more of a push for having a better work-life balance in this generation? Or do you think that people are still, like, since we're in the United States, we're very, like, career-focused? No, it, it, so two, two good points here. You know, one is, yes, work-life balance and the work from home, I think, created this a little bit. And I, I come from an organization where I feel like we work hard and we play hard. Mm -hmm. And I think the way to think about your work is think about sprint and recovery. You're going to push, you're going to push, you're going to push. But then you got to make sure you get that recovery time. Right. Now, the other thing that I will tell you, too, that I, I, I believe I've seen is because of LinkedIn and because of Instagram and social media, uh, I'm finding that there is a propensity to not be as patient mm. about when am I getting this next promotion? When am I getting this next title? Right. Am I making enough money? Our patience is gone. Yeah. It's and, not and, there. And it's, and it's challenging because there are certain aspects of you know, you need to get time and seat and you need to get some work mm -hmm. experience. Now, I will say, if you don't feel like you have a good development plan and you don't feel like you have a good career plan, I think that's going to create anxiety for right. you and that's going to make that even worse. But, you know, if I, if I was to give one piece of advice, I, I would say pump the brakes a little bit. Don't believe everything you're seeing on social media. Don't try to compare, you know, the, the, the job title you're into the job title of somebody who's in a completely other industry. Right. They could be totally different. And then as far as compensation and money goes, look, I had someone explain to me this way. And I, again, it's another thing that I, it was a pearl of wisdom, I thought. Mm -hmm. They explained compensation like, a, like like going out for a good meal. You go out, seven course meal, you know, three appetizers, great entree. Yeah, none dessert. of us teachers are really doing that. Ah, I don't know if you know well, how much okay. we're getting paid over here. All right, stay, stay with me. Listen, when you come home, you yeah, go out. Okay. Yeah, I get, I get right. those benefits a little well, bit. Okay, so, so say you go out for your dinner and you go to the all-you-can-eat buffet. I'll be oh, thank you, level, thank okay? you. There we go. go We're the, going all, to Applebee's. You go to Applebee's, all-you-can-eat buffet. It's uh, nickel, 10-cent chicken wings, whatever mm -hmm. it is. You're, you have the dessert, you're stuffed. You wake up the next morning, you're hungry. Mm -hmm. That's money. It's never going to be enough. You're always going to want more. Right. Make sure you're fairly compensated. Mm -hmm. um, but just get a little bit more patience and make sure you're in that great learning environment. You got a great development plan. 
um, the job titles will come. Yes. And now that we got on the topic of money, this is actually a very good transition that we just did into financial advice. So I wanted to ask you kind of like one of your first things that you wanted to tell us just about how to save money as a teacher, especially since we're not getting those big paychecks. Yeah, you guys didn't get into teaching uh, for the money. We, no. we, we know that. And, and, and thank God you guys are in the profession you're in, right? Because, I mean, the education of our kids is one of the most important things that we have in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, budgeting, right? I mean, it's kind of like when you first went out on your own and, and your sister as well. Um, I've encouraged you guys to make a budget mm-hmm. and to kind of understand what you're spending every month, understand what's your discretional spending. And it's pretty easy. You should be able to operate Excel anyway, right? Yes. To put a budget together. But one of the biggest things you can do to save money is, you know, s- stop going out for Starbucks, okay? And, and look, no offense to Starbucks or any of the independent coffee places that are out there. Make it a treat, though. But if you if you think about it, you're spending six bucks seven days a week, forty two dollars, one hundred sixty eight dollars a month. Yep. What I would tell you is, you know, cut, cut it back to once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Go buy yourself an espresso machine. <laughs> yeah, and I looked up on Amazon how much an espresso machine is. You can find like a pretty cheap one for like fifty to a hundred and fifty dollars. And if you're thinking about it, like you're saving so much more money by just making it at home. But I definitely have been in that place where I just want to go to start. It's not even Starbucks for me. I love boba. So I have a really bad addiction and I'm like, how, I don't know how I you should... make boba at home. Okay. You can't. Well, well, I'm sure you can, but I have a bad addiction to it. I will a admit it. Gumballs and put them in <laughs> it's not tea. a gumball. You have to see it as a treat. Limiting it to once a week maybe is good and just investing in a espresso machine will help you save some money. And another thing that I did a lot was meal prepping. So I don't think we realize how much we spend by buying lunch out. I mean, teachers, we don't have the time to actually go out for lunch because we have about a 25 minute lunch. I don't know if you were aware of this or not. I mean, you sometimes eat lunch like at your desk though, don't you? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's days that I do where I go out to, um, sprouts and look, I don't, do as well on the meal prep as I probably should. You don't, what do you mean? You don't cook. I don't meal My prep mom cooks, all. okay? I don't, I don't, don't try to take credit yeah, for cooking I don't, at I don't, all. I don't, bring, I don't bring lunch to work. No, you but don't. But I might go out and grab something and bring it back to my desk or right, something because, right. but again, in my work too, I mean, I need to be going out and a lot of times I'll be meeting people for right. lunch and having productive conversations. Those relationships. But yeah, meal prep though is a great way Mm-hmm. save money and eat better eat healthier, eat healthier. and eat better food right because, you're gonna feel so much better you'll yeah. have so much more energy to work with the kids and you know i'm a big proponent of eating at home and i love cooking and i think that if you like give it a shot i think you'll enjoy it because especially after teaching a long day it it seems i mean the worst part is definitely cleaning up but when you're cooking it's kind of therapeutic to me i put on like a podcast you can listen to my podcast while you cook and you just are able to like be in your own little world after dealing with so many children the whole entire day and you just need silence and so you just cook yourself a nice little meal um but another thing that i wanted to talk about was like just my own situation so my first year teaching i was living actually with my sister so splitting rent was a huge help because right now rent prices are ridiculous can you just talk about that for a second <laughs> it's so bad yeah i'll talk about it we, we definitely have a housing crisis going on right now in the united states and that translates into the rental market right now mm-hmm. as well. We're seeing people spending a larger percentage of their income for rents than we've seen historically. I don't think it's anything that's going to fix itself anytime mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. I think if you can find a roommate, that's great. If not, you're going to you know need to find other areas where you can 
save some money. And one of the best places to do that, I think, is with the meal prep that you're doing. And look, I'm not saying don't go out and treat yourself right, every now right. and then. Everybody's working hard. Mm -hmm. You need to go out for that, you know, expensive coffee mm -hmm. a couple times a week. Go out for a nice meal, you know, or go out to eat. You right. Know, it's a, a it's a balance. The majority of the time you're cooking for yourself and then you're able to go out and spend some money when yeah. you want to be with your friends and things like that. Absolutely. I think that's the right way to do it. And, you know, again, back to the meal prep, though, it's so unhealthy to eat out. Especially here in the United States. Un you have no idea what type of oh. oils they're using, right. where their food is coming from. And even if you think you're going out and eating something semi-healthy, like the odds are whatever dressing they're putting on your salad is not good for you. And it's just good to be eating whole foods that you know what you're putting in your meals. And, and I will tell you that me and mom have been doing a lot more of buying really good ingredients and cooking at home. Because I think about how expensive it is to go out and eat mm -hmm. nowadays. And I'm like, the meal's probably going to be okay. Right. I can make something better at home. Mm -hmm. I can go get great ingredients and cook a better meal at home. Right. And you know what? That's what we're doing a lot of lately. We wanted to talk also about outside development. Kind of kind of high level, right? Outside development. What mm -hmm. does it mean? It means that the organization you're in, the school you're in, they're going to have a training plan for you. Mm -hmm. But again, when you think about what it is you want to learn and how you want to develop, I think it can be supplemented in a way that um, can be exponential nowadays because mm -hmm. the amount of podcasts that are out there, the amount yes, of YouTube videos that are out that. there, uh, where you can go find a specific topic and you can get out there and you can learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe you're having a certain challenge at teaching, you're having a certain challenge at work, whatever it is. You can search that specific topic and get some really, really good guidance. And just like anything in life, research your source. Understand who your source is that you're getting the information from. But I think the ability to incorporate some outside training and development, if you have a longer commute into work, take advantage of podcasts. Um, and I think it's a great way for you to continue to your, your ongoing development. Lifelong learning. That's really what it comes down yes. to. Yes. And another way that I did that, I would read. So there's definitely a lot of books um, about teaching out there that you can read. And I also loved podcasts and also just like I would consume information separate from teaching as well because I noticed that if I was just focusing on teaching and like a specific topic in the classroom, which I think is good to do once in a while, I was getting so burnt out by my whole life just being so, like revolving around teaching and it was just burning me out so quickly that I started to do things more like health wise, like mental health wise, what things can I do to improve my mental health, like my emotional intelligence, things on along those lines as well, I think are good just as like personal development things. It doesn't always have to be about your career because I really think you need that balance so that you're not burning yourself out. I think that's critical. You know, again, we talk about work hard, play hard, mm -hmm. um, save up for those vacations. Right. You know, there's things you can do that don't have to cost a ton of money. Um, make sure you're taking time for yourself. You know, have some outside hobbies that have nothing to do with, you know, your career. Right. Um, some some areas where you can just go and kind of recharge your brain. Mm -hmm. um, but I'll tell you, you got, you know, your, your, your generation is just in an interesting spot. You know, you got, you know, some challenges that, you know, my generation didn't face with, you know, housing and some of these other things. Mm -hmm. um, but you also have technology enabling you to be able to do your job more efficiently and at a level that, you know, when I started my career out, you know, I wasn't able to do. Listen, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast today. Great conversation. Um, your, your generation is in a really interesting spot. You guys got this ability to, to really have an impact uh, in the work that you're doing. Uh, you guys have technology now that can enable you to work more efficiently, 
to deliver your, you know, your curriculum at a higher level. Um, and I think it's just a matter, you guys got to just take advantage of that. You also have some challenges that my generation didn't have with, you know, we talk about rents and exactly. housing and some of those mm -hmm. other things out there. Just things are really expensive right now. Yep. Um, but you know, you got, you got your work cut out for you, but I think, you know, I know you've yeah. got a great attitude and, uh, I try, I try. I really am trying to bring some positivity into teaching because like I said in my like intro episode, there's just been so much negativity around being a teacher. And on TikTok, there's a whole like section of TikTok that's dedicated to teachers who have quit. And I mean, I completely understand it, but there's a lot of people going into teaching that need to hear this advice and need to hear some positive experiences and how to get through it instead of, you know, being like, oh, I'm just going to quit, which I mean, I, I understand it. Like I said, teaching is a lot. But um, yeah, I hope that you guys were able to get something out of this podcast. And thank you again, Dad, for being my first guest well, on my you, podcast. You let me know when you want to <laughs> chat again. I'll be happy to come back. Yeah, you guys definitely reach out to me um, and let me know if there's any other questions that you have for my father. And we can definitely do another episode. Um, but I hope that you guys enjoyed listening. And I will talk to you guys again on next week's episode of Teaching in Your 20s. Make sure to follow me on all of my other social media it's all under the handle at christina himmelho or teaching in your 20s podcast i'm sure you'll be able to find me like i said i hope you enjoyed and i will talk to you guys next week